Welcome to Faith Walking Conversations. In this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith workers reflect on the topic seeing anxiety. This conversation was originally recorded in August of 2020. We want to remind you that Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. I'm looking through the eyes of love I'm gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in you I'm gonna look twice at you So, so the goal of, uh, of anxiety is, is to work on becoming less anxious, but also to work on can I show up as the best version of me in spite of my anxiety? Uh, can I, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, can I, can I look more like Jesus when I get anxious? Because the idea is, is that when we get triggered and when we get anxious, we behave in ways that may or may not look like Jesus. Or maybe, maybe they, they don't, it's, maybe it's neutral, but but they're not helpful or they're not productive behaviors in our life. And uh, I've, I've gotten permission from from a member of our group who uh, who I've been doing some coaching with to share a case study. And it's her case study. OK, so we just did this coaching on Wednesday and uh, and she said uh, it was OK to talk about it today as long as she didn't have to talk about it today and uh, and she does not uh i want to lay a couple of ground rules down so one of the things that happens folks when we hear another person's story sometimes we our own story gets triggered in hearing that story and our own anxiety gets stirred up in in a variety of ways so I want to invite you to be aware of your own anxiety. Now, maybe you won't have any. Maybe you'll just hear all this and, and there'll, there'll be no anxiety. There'll be nothing. Uh, but, but maybe there will be. One of the other things that happens, and, we, and often, especially Christian people, we don't recognize that, that this is our anxiety. But we instantly get triggered and and have a need to fix the other person, to help them, to give them advice, to, to share something with them. And what I want you to do is, is try to move under that and see that at its root, there's some anxiety typically there. Another way that, we, that, that some people behave when they get anxious around other people's anxiety is they, they just want to be a caretaker. Oh, are you okay? Let me give you a hug. Uh, I just want to make sure that you're doing okay. And, and I know that's being compassionate, but I want to invite you to also consider that there's some anxiety under that. Okay, and so I just want to invite you to uh, to to watch for your own anxiety in me sharing the story. Now, I'm also going to lay these these boundaries. You don't get to talk to this person. 
Okay. You don't get to give them advice. You don't get to give them help. You don't get to, to you. If you happen to end up in the small group uh, with her, you can do it then. But right now I'm, I'm going to be the coach. Okay. And I'm, I'm the only one. And, uh, and, and by the way, in telling all of this story, when, when she says, I'm not telling it right, she can jump right in and correct me at any time, uh, in, in sharing the story. So, Having said all that, uh, the lovely person whose story I'm going to shell, uh, share is Michelle's. And uh, Michelle and I, somewhere around really at kind of the beginning of this keep calm thing, um, entered into just kind of a, a, a coaching relationship. Uh, and, and we've been doing that pretty much on a weekly basis now for a number of weeks. and. Um, then, as you know, a couple of weeks ago, I took vacation and missed a couple of weeks. And then coming out of my vacation, uh, I had a, uh, an issue where I had to go down one day and, and uh, do some take care of my mother, basically. And so, so we missed three weeks in a row of our coaching. And if you'll remember, last week when we were all together, uh, there was a moment at the end of our call where I uh, asked Michelle, I said, Michelle, I really want to hear your voice. Would you just unmute and let me hear your voice? And the reason for that was because I hadn't heard from her in three weeks, right? And we, we kind of had this ongoing, and I just wanted to hear her. I just wanted to hear her talk. But when I asked her that question, it triggered something in her. And she got highly anxious. And, and in the anxiety felt, uh, her shame voice showed up. So if you've been in faith walking, you know what a shame voice is. It's that voice about, I'm not worthy. I, 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 there's something wrong with me. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough or smart enough or talented enough. And, and in that getting triggered for Michelle, she, she said, uh, my fear was I, I instantly became afraid that you were going to say something or ask me something that I didn't know the answer to and that I would be shamed in front of the whole group. And her her normal reaction to feeling shamed is to, to completely withdraw and go find a hole to crawl into just to completely shut down, not say anything, hide from it. And also in the hiding from it, then never come back to address it again. Just kind of act like, okay, uh, that happened. I don't know what that's about, but I don't like it. I don't want to be a part of it. So I'm going to go hide. I'm going to stay hidden. And then I'm never going to talk about it again. So this week on Wednesday, we had our coaching session. And she came to our coaching session and, and said, I know what I have to talk about. I have to talk about what happened last Friday. And by the way, of course, I had no clue that any of that was going on with Michelle. When I asked uh, a, a simple question uh, of her, but all of that was going on in her. And so on Wednesday, we processed that some. And, uh, and, and the first thing that, uh, that is true. So, well, let me back up from that. 
we we've learned a lot from Brene Brown around about shame, and Brene talks about the three C's of addressing uh, shame, and they're in your handout, uh, and they are courage, community, and compassion, and my take on the meaning of those three things is when we feel shame, will we have the courage to bring our shame into the light? Uh, Just being courageous enough to speak it out loud. What Brene said, and now what my experience has been for at least three or four years is that when we have the courage to speak our shame, it's the beginning of getting liberated from it. And that as long as it stays in the dark, we're we're never going to get freed up from it. And so uh, Wednesday in the coaching, Michelle brought her shame into the into the light. And uh, and and that's the beginning of freedom and release from that. What her normal tendency is, is what? When, when, when she gets anxious in this particular way is to distance and to hide from it. Rather than distancing and hide from it, she stepped into it. And, uh, and she brought it into community. See, she shared it with me. And, and guess what? Even though I'm speaking, she, she's also sharing it with all of you now. She's bringing her shame even further into the light. And then the third component is compassion. And the compassion is around, can I share it with a group of people that I know will be compassionate with me? And Michelle was willing to bring it to y'all because she believes you're, you're that kind of a group, uh, that you're the kind of people that will be compassionate with her. And she's growing in her own compassion. For herself. So see, the compassion is, is I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to heap more shame on myself by saying, oh my gosh, how could you have done this? Or how could you behave in that way? And, and in all of it, um, she's making tremendous progress. So Michelle started faith walking a year ago. It was a year ago, uh, right about now, she started her faith walking journey, and she's been now through three of the faith walking modules, and she's continuing moving forward. And what I want you to know is, uh, even on Wednesday, we looked back to where she'd come from. We looked back over a year ago and, and just celebrated all of the growth and progress that she's made. Now, does does she have tons more work to do? Absolutely. Just like we all do. I do too. You do too. But, but she's in the journey. She's working on the journey. She's making progress. And, uh, and it was a great victory on, on Wednesday when she shared her story. And, and we celebrate a little bit together also. So here's what I'm going to let you do. I'm going to let you take a minute and let's just celebrate the progress Michelle is making and her courage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're celebrating. Uh, I mean, that, that is big time, Michelle. And it's not just about Michelle. It's about all of us. And so I hope in me sharing her story and her sharing 
her story with us, that we can all learn some things. Um, that that we can learn to, to. So so these are the big rocks for me in this. Can I be aware enough about my anxiety to know when it's happening in the moment? Because Michelle reported she was able to to recognize instantly she got anxious instantly when she got triggered. And then she began to process and see what that was about. So awareness around that is a key. And then even after I'm aware, what she reported to me on on Wednesday was uh, she knew that what she normally did was was run away and hide. And she said she stayed in, in the meeting. Her first tendency was just to get off the call. But she stayed in the meeting. And, and, and so here's what happened. She was in the meeting, but she wasn't in the meeting. You understand what I mean? I mean, she was physically here, but, but internally she was already moving away, but that's the best she could do on Friday. And the best you can do is all you can do. Right. Uh, so it was good enough. And so, uh, being aware of our anxiety and then being aware of this is what I typically do. And can I not do what I typically do? And, and she was able to do that. Uh, another piece of learning, and I forgot to put this in the notes. Uh, I was hurriedly doing those notes before I had a dentist appointment this morning. So, uh, but, but here, uh, I, a friend of mine, um, and a faith walking person, uh, shared this, analogy with me that I found really helpful. The wounds of our past. So Michelle is not clear about what the, what that is about, that shame. She's, she's unclear about what, what triggered it or where it came from. But, but here's what we believe in faith walking, that often what happens is the wounds of our past get triggered and it's out of that woundedness that then we show up anxious and we behave in the ways that we that we typically behave. And so my friend shares this analogy. Uh, and in faith walking, we call that vows or we call it our shame. She, uh, so my friend shares the analogy. It's, it's like you've got a little shard of glass in your shoulder. And your skin heals over it, but the little piece of glass is hiding just under the skin, under the surface. And every now and then, as you're living life, somebody bumps that shoulder. And that little shard of glass cuts you again anew. And it hurts. And what we have this tendency to do is blame the person that bumped into us. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you blumped into my sore shoulder with the shard of glass in it. Oh my, you know, and, and it's horrible and it's painful. But the truth is, I'm responsible for getting healing around the shard of glass in my shoulder. And if, and if I, I would go see a doctor and let the doctor take that out, I wouldn't get hurt so much when people bump into me anymore. And so our work in one of the things that we do in our faith walking work is, is we remove shards of glass. We remove those places where we keep getting bumped and, and, and we want to blame others for it. Oh, how could you say that? Or how could you do that? When the reality is the deepest 
most healing place for us, the place where restored wholeness happens, is when we can identify what the shard of glass is and go get healing around that place that we keep keep getting bumped around. So all of that is the story for today. Uh, I uh, I applaud Michelle for being courageous enough to let me share with you her story. Uh, and I wonder with you now, what's that stir up for you? Um, do you recognize anything within yourself? Do you recognize yourself in her story? Has that ever happened to you? Uh, and it, and and can you recognize where you are today? Uh, maybe nothing in that story stirs anything with you, but but do you see moments where where the same kind of thing does get stirred up in you? where anxiety gets stirred and your shame voice shows up. Uh, and can you, what I hope you will hear are some tools to use when that happens. And that just knowing what the tools are in your head don't change you. What happens is when we practice those tools and that is an ongoing journey. And then to give ourselves compassionate, compassion with wherever I am in the journey. I love to say, this is the best I can do today. Tomorrow, I might do better, but today, this is the best I've got. And all I can expect of myself and all I'm going to let anybody else expect of me is that I'm going to do my best today. Comment, question, thought? Uh, yeah, no, I, I'll just speak. Um, thanks, Ken. Thanks, Michelle, uh, for letting Ken share your story. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I think um, uh, I don't. I, I feel like I feel like anxiety's kind of taken control of my life over the last few weeks, uh, and I feel like there's really too much to unpack for me to even try to deal with it. Um, so I, I feel a little bit overwhelmed, and so I definitely have been distancing from basically everything. Um, as of as of late, there's some frustrations with with friendships and and whatnot. And uh, but I, but I was also thinking about um a, uh, about a couple hours ago, I was in a team meeting with work, our weekly our weekly call with about 15 other people, and uh, um, my our manager brought up something that kind of triggered something in me that I was like, oh yeah, I should tell the rest of the group about this. So I started talking, and I felt myself. I saw myself talking really fast and I wasn't really very clear on what I was trying to say. And I think I actually heard my, heard my shame voice say, nobody wants to hear you say this right now. Mm. And mm. I think, and I, I, I it, it was loud enough where I could, I caught, caught it, but not, not obvious enough where I slowed down and said what I wanted to say. Hmm. But I, it, I was suddenly aware of the fact that that voice comes up a lot when I'm at work and I'm talking to my colleagues or even talking to clients or, or whatnot mm. that I, that there's that voice of just stop talking. Nobody needs to hear what you have to say right now. Mm. Um, and, uh, it's like self-sabotage. Um, cause obviously if you hear this voice while you're trying to explain something or express something or tell somebody something, then it, you, you're not going to be able to do it. Um, but Anyway, I think so just I think just kind of this conversation made me I guess it kind of brought back that to my mind the fact that I really need to sit down and, and figure out where the, the root cause is from it. It's quite unhelpful. Yeah. 
yeah, Courtney. Um, but thank you for even bringing that. So, so it took courage for you to sh- share that with us. And that, and for me, that's the beginning place. Okay. Yeah. I've got some work to do. I need to go, I need to go find what, what is that about? Why does that keep getting stirred up in those meetings? And I'm not clear about that yet. I know that. Um, but I, what I'm really aware of is I got anxious and my shame voice showed up. And here's what it sounds like. Yeah. So well done. It's, it's, it's awesome that you were able to have that awareness in the midst of the, of talking. <laughs> and I know, and, and I hate that. Don't you? I mean, I'm in the middle of talking and I suddenly realize, Oh, my shame voice is all over this. <laughs> and now what do I do about it? You know? Uh, and I, and, and in those moments, most of the time right now, I still don't have the capacity to change my behavior. Uh, and it's, it's probably next to impossible because I'm not really clear about what it is that's getting stirred up. Good stuff. Thanks for sharing that. Um, a question here, Ken, um, first of all, really, um, very in- Lots of courage for Michelle for for sharing um, her vulnerability. That takes a lot of courage uh, to do that. Um, I think a situation that we may find ourselves in is that when you sh- when one shares one's vulnerabilities and weaknesses with people, um, uh, what happens? How does one handle it when uh, you? share something about yourself with somebody and that trust has been betrayed and it's almost like it comes back via a third party who uses it as a weapon and that obviously affects uh trust in a general sense not necessarily uh, uh, in addition to trust with that particular person or group it can affect one being able to share uh, one's vulnerabilities per se. Would anybody like to comment on on that? But that because that can be an issue. Absolutely, absolutely, John. Um, if if I may, I'd like to comment first, and then I'll I'll be happy for others to comment. Um, it so at the very beginning of of our work in faith walking. And I realize this group is your only exposure to faith walking. So uh, we talk every time we get together about creating a safe community and what safe community looks like. And then we have a covenant that we give our word to. That's a covenant of safety, uh, which is all the things that you talk about. Uh, So first of all, that and it, it it becomes second nature for us uh, because in everything we do, that's the kind of communities that we that we want to create. Now, does it ever happen uh, exactly what you're talking about? Absolutely, because humans are humans, and um, this is what I believe is the appropriate way. And 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 based on based on all our work in faith walking, and and let me let me give you a precursor. And my precursor is 
that one of my largest vows is about avoiding conflict and avoiding hard conversations. But what I believe the the right answer is, is um, if that happens, I need to go say what is so for me with that person and and say, listen, uh, two things. One is that's a violation of the trust that I that I gave. And secondly, it's been used as a weapon against me. And that's not okay. So those are boundary issues for me. It's also an an issue of of stating the truth. And then the third thing is to create an additional boundary, uh, which is the boundary that uh, is depending upon your reaction to what I, to, to my, you know, holding the mirror up for you. Uh, if if you can't see what you did, and if you refuse to apologize for what you did, then I'm never going to be really vulnerable with you again, because I don't trust you. I just don't trust you with who I am. Um, and I th- I think we have to decide. Okay, when you know when when are their deeds appropriate to repentance? And the deeds appropriate to repentance is, oh, I, I, I'm horribly sorry. You're absolutely right. I confess it, and I promise I'll never do it again. Okay, I'll give you another chance. But then you do it again, or you do it a third time. Well, eventually, I'm going to create a tighter boundary and just say, you're not trustworthy. And, and folks, hear me. That sounds blunt, and it, and it sounds unkind. But again, I'm convinced, and I quote the prophetess Brene Brown, clear is kind. And, and, and it's bound, that's just not okay. And by the way, that's happened to me. I had a friend that I shared vulnerably with, and, uh, and he took what I said and used it as a weapon against me. Uh, that's not okay. And so, yeah. Probably enough said there, but but it's it, it's okay to confront, and 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 confront doesn't mean attack. It just means to say, let me tell you what the impact is of this, and and secondly, and I'm not going to let it happen again, because that is not okay, and that's what boundaries are. Deborah, Ken, I just when you said here was the impact of that. Mm-hmm. I, I just my heart leapt when you said it, and I know it's a it's a, a value in faith walking that we also ask other people what was the impact on you of what I did. Right. So it goes both ways, but Absolutely. that is such a powerful value, and is mm-hmm. life changing. Right. To hold that, to learn it first of all, to hold it, to know it's okay. It's righteous mm-hmm. to do, and then we can live out of it is right. utterly life changing. Right. I wish I'd learn it, learned that in my twenties. Yeah. Not in my late fifties. Yeah. And I'm I practicing, hear you. Practicing, 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 saying it toward other people that I know I've hurt or suspected I've hurt, but also say it to people who have hurt me or a friend that we're engaging with. And I can just hold up that mirror and 
righteous, calm, confident. Right. This is, how, this is the rules in my space. This is how we treat each other and live with each other. Yeah. Instead of doing that dance around, oh, I'm afraid to hurt your feelings. I'm afraid to show up with power, with my right. own power, which I think so many people were taught to be ashamed of our holy power. Right. Our, our well, holy personhood. Right. And and it's the reminder, Deborah, and and, and for me, this is what I'm learning. Uh, and and I I just I believe working boundaries is huge, folks. So when I hold the mirror up and tell you this is the impact what you did had on me, well, you can't argue with that because I'm telling you my side of the story. This is the impact, but I'm also not responsible for what feelings get stirred up in you when I hold that mirror up to you. I'm not responsible. That's that's your work. So that's like the shard of glass. Oh, when you held up the mirror, well, that hurt my feelings. Well, I, well, what's that about? Because all I did was tell you this is what the impact was on me. And and for me, that's a really important principle also um, of what I'm responsible for, what I'm not responsible for. So that's boundaries. What's okay, what's not okay, that's boundaries. You know, and both are true. Good stuff. That yeah. Is so so helpful. Uh, let's go Jerry, Jerry next and then Mags. So just a, a quick story. A friend uh, a couple of weeks ago asked for an opinion on something that they had written. And I read it and I offered an opinion. And they didn't agree with my opinion. Mm-hmm. And my immediate shame was, you're stupid. <laughs> I, you know, because they didn't agree with my opinion. You are wrong. You are stupid. And then I said in my head, I'm never doing that again. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing about it was it's an opinion, right? An opinion mm-hmm. is neither right nor wrong. Correct. Mm-hmm. It's an opinion. But I took it that to a, a, an entirely different level of um right and wrong affirmation mm-hmm. and it just so i had to mm-hmm. step back from that and go wait 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 hold on it's mm-hmm. an opinion mm-hmm. and and so it was just it was an interesting mm-hmm. deal <laughs> yeah and and it sounds like jerry that you processed that really well right you you recognized okay my first reaction was this and now go ahead yeah i I wish I wouldn't go to that spot of see you're wrong again. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because it's just an opinion. Yeah. 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 And and that is an ongoing challenge. Uh, I promise you, I wrestle with that every day. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so it's just it's just ongoing work. Mm-hmm. But I think just the awareness that, okay, there I am doing it again. I don't want to do that. I'm going to back out from that. It's just an opinion. They have just as much right to their opinion as I have to my opinion. I happen to disagree with their opinion, but hey, that's the way life is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Thank you for sharing that. Max? Yeah, it just uh, took me back a few years. Um, 
uh, yeah, probably about 20 odd years. I don't know where I read this or maybe it was part of my business training, you know, when I worked for a secular company. But it sort of held true with me uh, that people deserve to know the impact of their actions, but also they deserve to know the impact of their non-actions. Mm -hmm. And that then I thought about it as you were talking about, yeah, we have uh, almost have an obligation to tell people this is how this is what this is how it's impacted me what you have said. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, they will never know. And they're yeah. going to continue in the same vein. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do it, that's a non-action that you were aware of that you could have taken mm-hmm. to help that individual as well. Uh, it's not easy in practice. <laughs> it is not. And it's slow. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. you don't that stuff doesn't happen rapidly and and sometimes it becomes almost overwhelming if it's like daily there's three or four people I have to go have those kinds of conversations with. And and then maybe I create a boundary around which ones are most important, you know, to have that conversation with. But but I hear you. And especially in the really important conversations of our life, I think that I think it needs to happen and needs to be said. Yeah, because you can't move that individual, the person that has said something to um, to hurt, right, and yourself, you cannot move forward from that. That's something that's always going to be unresolved. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I suppose human nature is having a want to have resolutions. So. Always, that is definitely. Yeah, Judith. Let's hear from Judith. Yeah. So, how do we balance that with? Compassion for the other individual, um, recognizing that, yes, maybe I need to say this, but that's more about me than them, and recognizing that they may be going through a hard time or a challenge, and it's not the right time to mm-hmm. bring up something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, that's a great question, Judith. And what I believe and what I'm learning, uh, and and by the way, there's a great little book that that really speaks to that, it, and it's called uh, "When All Else Fails." I, I uh, it's it's a little it's it's actually a book about how to apply family systems to pastoral care. I actually use it as a, as a textbook. Uh, it's just a little paperback, but I found it really helpful. And and in it, he he talks about the author, uh, Wayne Minking is his name. Uh, he he talks about empathy, compassion, and also uh, not taking responsibility for more than his mind to take on. Uh, so yeah, I, I we we want to be compassionate people and empathetic people without taking on the responsibility of taking care of other people. And and for me, finding that line, but that's the line. Uh, because when I when I start taking care of them, then then I've crossed a boundary and I'm in their territory and I'm doing for them what they need to do for themselves. At the same time, uh, I definitely want to be aware 
of, okay, what's going on in this person's life? And yeah, now may not be the right time. But, but for me, so what I would do in the past, Judith, is I would use that this is not the right time as an excuse never to say it. <laughs> okay, and so, okay, we're just going to let that one go, and then I never come back to it. And so, uh, okay, now's not the right time, but this really, I've got to have this conversation. And so when will be a better time? Uh, because I need to have it for my own sake. So again, it's it's not for their sake. I'm not I'm not fixing them or correcting them. But for for so there's there's language that I use uh, that I've learned along the way that that I like to say uh, and ask, and that is this question. And maybe I've talked about it in this. What do I need to do to get complete in this relationship? Have I talked about that here? Well, so for me, I ask three questions to get complete. Uh, the first question is, is there something that I need to do that I haven't done yet? Whatever that might be. Um, second question, is there something I need to say that I haven't said yet? Because if there's something I haven't done, I'm incomplete. If there's something I haven't said, I'm incomplete. But the third question is kind of where you started from. And, and the third question for me is, is there something I need to consider that I haven't considered yet? And, and so when, when I get clear in answering those three questions, okay, I've considered, yeah, okay, I've considered everything there is to consider. I've done everything I need to do for myself to, to be at peace here, and I've said everything I need to say, then I'm complete. And, and what I find is even when I'm complete, Mags, there are times when, yeah, but it still doesn't feel right, you know, because they're still mad at me. Yeah, but I am complete because I've done everything I need to do. Be at peace with all men as long as it depends upon you. Uh, okay, well, so, so be complete within yourself and then you'll be at peace with all men as as with all people as far as it depends on you all right y'all want to go to small groups for a few yeah so anything more you want to talk about about any any of this um you said you didn't get finished well, we've gotten to hear from Jerry that their church in a vineyard church has utilized faith walking. And so they all have this similar language mm -hmm. and experience and they've been traveling together. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, my hope is to bring that to Bradford. And I just I'm so intrigued about how do you do it together? Yeah. Your in your geographical location too, mm -hmm. probably among even not just our church, but just among Christians in the city, people right. in the city together. Right. So it makes me very thirsty when I hear. Mm -hmm. what there are several on our call that are doing that. There are a number from the Fellowship Church here in Katy. And the Fellowship Church in Katy is a faith walking circle. We call those faith walking circles. And Tammy and Mike DeRider in Midland, Michigan, are doing it in uh, in their community as well as in their in their congregation. So, uh, absolutely, 
it's been an interesting combination of of doing faith walking modules or classes so that you get something of a critical mass within your congregation or your community. But added to that, um, Mike has used faith walking themes as as sermon points. Mm -hmm. So our congregation, whether they wanted to hear it or not, Mm -hmm. inadvertently has been learning this for 10 years. They don't even know that it's faith walking until they take the classes later, if they ever do. But that that begins to give a common language and theme um, to conversations. Yeah. Yep. I've talked and, to a local vicar about it too. Uh, not mm-hmm. our vicar, but um, another person, and um, she's intrigued. But you know, Mags and and uh, mm-hmm. John are in the city with us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll probably be talking to y'all more. Uh, we we that's and that is that is our dream and our vision, Deborah. Our dream and vision is that faith walking will be accessible to every person around the globe. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and by faith walking, we don't mean us. We mean the content. We mean the stuff. Um, so yeah, that that's our hope and our dream. I'm on the boat. So I am going to uh, I'm going to risk something, and uh, Michelle, I wonder if there's anything you want to say, and if there isn't, just shake your head. <laughs> um, firstly, thank you to you, Ken. Um, I feel very honoured in the way you shared my story, um, and yeah, it was just a. I, I'm just really grateful that it. I said yes to you sharing it, but just the way it's been handled, that's a, that's a really big thing for me. So thank you for that. And thank you for everybody in this community for, for uh, yeah, just being part. Like, this is just a big thing to be part of it. Um, and I didn't realise when, um, like, having shared it with Ken on Wednesday, um, that was community for me. Um, and I didn't realize the impact of it would have in sharing it in a bigger, in a bigger setting, but it, it really did. And so I'm very grateful for, for everyone. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Good. Thanks, Michelle. Well done. Thank you. Okay. Now I would like to say something if I could. All right. <laughs> I wanted to thank you, Michelle, for for allowing Ken to share his story with us, because when that happened last week, Ken, and you, and you mentioned that you hadn't heard Michelle's voice. Um, I also had not spoken to you at that meeting. And when I heard you say that there was a, it triggered a vow and a deep wound within me that said that I'm invisible and that nobody notices, you know, whether I'm here or not. And at the time I was rushed for time and I had to get off the call for another zoom meeting. Um, but I just kind of dismissed it and I thought, yeah, it's okay. There's a lot of us there, no big deal. But when you shared that today, I realized that I was dismissing that very old childhood wound within me and what that was all about. And so I've got, I still have, I've worked, I've worked on that a lot. I still have a lot more work to do, but unless this had been shared today, I would, 
I was still kept cruising by it instead mm-hmm. of going back and realizing I still have a lot of work to do around that. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Michelle. <laughs> I know God, God uses this when we share in community like this. So very appreciative. Yeah. yeah. And that, and so now I'm going to overfunction a little, uh, because that made me anxious. Um, and, and that is, wait, wait, wait. are you saying I'm over functioning now? No, 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 no. I'm saying I'm about to, I'm not saying anything about you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm over functioning because I want every one of you to know, I, I notice you and I see you, uh, though I may not always call your name. So Veronica, I see you here, Laura. I see you, Evelyn. I see you, Anna. Uh, you know, I see you, Miss B. I see, I see every, all of us. Okay. So please, please just know that. But if you get triggered, what's the trigger about? So I love Trish that, that you acknowledge that, okay, there's a, there's a wound there about this. I'm, I'm invisible and nobody notices me. And I get that. Uh, and so thank you for sharing that because that's going to be helpful to somebody in this room right now. I guarantee you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say I was living into that, um, exact same thing last week. Uh, actually, um, that's all of, of being invisible and being like, it doesn't matter if I'm here or not. <laughs> even though yeah just it's it's crazy how um those lies kind of play in and we think that we're all by ourselves and we just keep them in the darkness but in actuality the you know our stories are definitely similar in some respects and the lies that we believe are aren't aren't um unique to ourselves but are actually very very common. yeah and what really struck me though with that was that i was very dismissive with myself and that's something that I hadn't really realized until until this. And that's, I need to work on that. Beautiful ladies, all, all of it, all of it. Uh, great awareness and, um, and good stuff. So, so let me wrap up. I'm a teacher at heart, so let me teach mo- a moment. Uh, because it, it reminds me, especially around that, I'm not important, I'm invisible, I'm just going to blend into the woodwork. What often happens when we believe those kinds of lies about ourselves, and we all have lies that we believe about ourselves, what we end up doing is we, we show up in the world as if that lie is true. Okay, so let's... And I'm not saying y'all do this, okay? I'm just saying people tend to do this. I'm not important, so therefore I go to a meeting and I act like I'm not important. I don't make my voice heard. I, I blend into the woodwork. And then and then when I'm not noticed, it triggers me and I get angry. When the truth is, I showed up that way. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's this cycle and, we, and what we end up doing is chasing our tails. I have this deep wound in me. I believe this lie about myself. And then I show up in the world as if that lie is true. I act like it's true. And then when people treat me the way I act, 
it makes me mad because, oh my gosh, how come they can't treat me better than him? When the truth is, that's the way I showed up. You know, you understand what I'm saying? And we all have different lies that we believe. We just, we all do. And they get triggered like that. So if we can become aware of them, and if we can bring that into the light and, and then say, okay, I'm aware of this wound that I have. And, and so what would it look like? Maybe a first step as we become aware is what would it look like to, to just show up different? Who, who would I like to show up as? Great stuff. Love being with y'all. Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you all for your courage, for your voice, for being who you are, and for staying in the journey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us slash donate. Thank you for listening. Until I see the Christ in you Till I'm looking through the eyes of love Till I'm looking through the eyes of love